Hey everyone, please listen to this important message that Henry has to share. Hello, my mama says bad words. So please make sure to wear your earmuffs for this week's episode. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. We are in a series called Your Story, where our guests will be sharing the story of healing their relationship with their body. Each person's story is unique to them, and we are humbled by their vulnerability and willingness to join us in this space. As a result, we will not be editing out as many numbers, specific behaviors, or details as we normally would. If anyone's story has details that trigger you due to your healing journey, please press pause and take care of yourself. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. All right, let's jump to our episode. We are having an awesome story being shared with us today by Sandra Olinger, who is both a music and mom blogger, as she chats about body image and her Latina heritage. Our conversation today really brought home the idea that body image starts in the mind, not the body. Body image is a mental exploration of how we view ourselves, and healing comes not from external change or validation, but really from our internal dialogue, our self-perception, and acceptance of our genes with a G and genes with a J. We love this definition of body image from the Mental Health Foundation. Body image is a term that can be used to describe how we think and feel about our bodies. Having body image concerns is a relatively common experience and is not a mental health problem in and of itself. However, it can be a risk factor for mental health problems. Research has found that higher body dissatisfaction is associated with a poor quality of life, psychological distress, and the risk of unhealthy eating behaviors and eating disorders. Oof. Yeah, so body image is really important. That's why we do what we do in our occupations and with this podcast, because we're so passionate about helping people do the work of healing their body story. Doing this by exploring the layers of societal messaging, racism, fat phobia, and family messaging is so important to understanding the influences on our body image so that we can reframe and heal. This is hard but necessary work, and it leads to living with more freedom with our relationship with food, our relationship with movement, and our activities of daily living. Learning how to have body positivity, or at least body neutrality, is a key component to our mental health and will help us answer the tough questions that our children ask as they grow up and notice other people's bodies, and hear the confusing messages about health and nutrition in schools and in our judgmental society. In our interview today, you will hear us discuss Sandra's powerful essay about racism and the conversations about her and her daughter's different skin color. 
We will link her article in the show notes, but we love how her story highlights the concept of intersectionality coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989 to describe how race, class, gender, and other individual characteristics intersect with one another and overlap. Originally used to showcase discrimination in the court system during the Women's March in 2016, it became a more mainstream conversation used to explore how people have individual identities that intersect in ways that impact how they are viewed, understood, and treated. From body image internally to how we are viewed externally, there are many layers to who we are. We also want to point out that we understand that weight stigma exists and that marginalization, racism, and social injustice is not likely to go away anytime soon, unfortunately. We know that the power of positive thinking doesn't change an entire system of injustice, so we are not going to naively suggest anything along those lines. Rather, sharing our stories in this series and doing healing work internally focuses on the only thing that we can change, and that's our perception of ourselves and our internal narrative. We hope that hearing Sandra's still developing story, how she is presently navigating healing her body image, and how she is in the beginning of this journey with her daughter will resonate with you. A little background on Sandra Olinger before we get started. Sandra is the founder of the Los Angeles-based music lifestyle blog, Grimy Goods, which is a hip resource featuring all things indie music, concerts, music festivals, and all the cool things that come along with that world. While pregnant with her daughter, she launched an alternative motherhood brand, So Modern Life, where she shares her personal lifestyle as a new Latina mama, wife, blogger, and content creator. She wants So Modern Life to be a community that empowers mothers and parents through engaging content, hashtag real talk, and social transparency. Just because you have a child, it does not mean that your life ends. <laughs> I don't know. That might be up for debate over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it. All right. Well, welcome to our episode, Sandra. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're so excited to hear your story. But first, we are going to jump in by catching you off guard a little bit. And we're going to ask you, what is a fun fact about yourself that you want to share with our audience? A fun fact about myself. Um, I have, I wish I could show them, but I have a short middle finger. You guys can see. Oh, oh yeah, you do. That is fun. I can. Like, uh, I was born that way, I think, or either it stopped growing. But when I was younger in college, interesting. We go to parties and get drunk. I would uh, always pretend I was an alien and I was magical, and that this is. <laughs> but I would go. I would, sure, and I would go on out. and on and on for like half hour, hour with conversations about it, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was funny, but uh, entertaining. Love- and sometimes people would get scared. Yeah. Now you can just trip your daughter out. Now you can be like, this is mommy's magic. This I can like see you truth. at all times. Oh, I do I tell know her what's that. happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always tell her because mommy that. has eyes behind awesome. her head too. Uh-huh. Yep, you just can't see exactly. him. My hair's covering him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Awesome. Well, we are going to just kick right off and jump into your story. So we want to hear a little bit about the story of healing your body or your body image journey and what that's been like for you. Well, growing up, I'm a Latina, uh, 
first generation. My mom was from Peru. My dad's from Mexico. And my mom was very traditional, like old school, you know, while we were raised. She's done huge leaps and turns. But um, image and being beautiful, not having blemishes on your face, dressing like a lady, not wrestling with your brothers, uh, not being too fat, not being too skinny was always like, you know, something that was always, I guess, embedded in my head for so long, you know, and that's just how it was back then, especially, uh, and, and a lot of Latinas will tell you the same too, you know, like looking good and presentable. And I remember any time I'd get like a blemish on my face, my mom's like, what did you do? Like, oh my goodness, like you've been eating too much fat. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't know. Maybe I'm going through puberty. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, so there was always that. And I think that kind of, um, what's the word influenced me to grow a thing. And not, not to mention growing up in Southern California in the nineties, good Lord, where curves weren't even in, uh, in yet, you know, it was a whole Kate Moss look. Um, but that kind of influenced me to be very concerned about my looks, my body image, um, even judgy things that had to be undone and unlearned. But, um, well, yeah, my mom was always sweet and very encouraging and just awesome. But, you know, everyone has their things. And those are things I had to change within myself. And she had to change, too. So like many, especially Southern California girls, um, you know, I think a lot, especially like over the 90s, had a lot of body image issues. And I did. Nothing like too bad. But, um, you know, I did go through a phase. It was actually right before I met my husband and after a breakup where I think all I ate, drank was juice. <laughs> green juice, green juice. And I would juice so much, but that I literally like messed up my stomach lining and it was bad for a while. But, um, but anyways, that's a whole different thing. But, um, <laughs> but actually uh, becoming a mother and watching the transition of my body and what it does actually completely helped my view on my body, other women's bodies, understanding how our bodies work and you know like everyone says how magical a woman's body really is how it could transform how it could shift metamorphosis up and dance constant roller coaster and for me that's what motherhood has been my goodness like a constant roller coaster of everything and body but um it's motherhood i would say learn helped me accept my body and all of its softness and hardness Helped me accept the fact that Victoria tore me of all my muscles everywhere, literally. <laughs> but, um, and taught me patience and to give myself grace and not to be so hard on myself because there was so many, that first year and a half, two years, I hated my body. Like even my husband would tell you, like, I'd be like, I hate these boobs. They're so big and they're so, you know, they've always been big, but now they're even bigger and they're so saggy. And look at this. I have no muscle on my arms, like just constantly berating myself, you know? And I think that's normal for any woman, like when, especially growing up how I did, you know, but, um, but now I'm in a good spot. Like, um, ever since, I think ever since we stopped breastfeeding and my body got used to not producing milk and not hanging on to the fat either. So it's made me feel better and also to be able to stronger, which is such a big thing because I just didn't have any strength either, especially the pelvic area. Yeah. But, um, 
but yeah, I'm happiest than I've ever been now, now that I get to work out a lot too at home, because that's always been important to me. And as a mom, a work from home mom, I just never find any good harmony to work out, grow my business, uh, be a good mother, you know, do all these things that's expected of us. So working out was always on the back burner for me, which is very important to me still, like for health reasons and most importantly too, to be strong for Victoria and keep up with her. But, um, but yeah, you know, like I gave myself grace. I'm like, you know what? This is just another phase of my life, just like everything. And, you know, I'm happy with this body and what it did. I think it's beautiful. I love what it did. But I also love that other body that's, that's toned and strong and can keep up with my daughter and can go up and down the stairs a hundred times without huffing and puffing and grab her bottle, grab her this, grab her that, you know, because that was very hard too at the postpartum phase, just not having any strength and much endurance. Right. It sounds like the phase of motherhood, that beginning period kind of blossoms some compassion. And mm -hmm. I, I want to validate that like that change is difficult and I think if we if listeners go back to which episode is that Rachel that you're feeding boobs I don't know which number it is yeah but with Lauren <laughs> Rachel's good at that yeah um that it explains why we feel softer and you know why we hold on to more fat we're producing more prolactin and our boss body yeah. is releasing relaxin so because you just had a baby and your muscles need to be relaxed to be able to actually have a baby. Oh, my God, that makes so much right? sense. <laughs> so you hold on to more fat so that you can feed your baby and you release this hormone relaxant so that you could push the baby out if that's the natural way that it happens. Um, but in that after postpartum phase, you're still producing those hormones. So. That makes sense why yeah. it's like, oh, I don't feel as strong and the frustration around that. But it sounds like with all of that experience, you came to the recognition of like, I'm going to have more compassion with myself because my body just did something that's so freaking amazing that, yeah. you know, I could either choose to hate it and berate it or I can come from this compassionate place and try to move forward from there. So that's awesome. Exactly. Like it was hard. And like, to, to be honest, my husband, Brian was so supportive and inspirational and encouraging and made me feel beautiful constantly, especially when I was just like cooling and grabbing at all these new, new curves that I just loathed. I'm curious, you mentioned your family values and cultural values about appearance when you were growing up, but I'm curious if there's any of those that translated into them pressure about the postpartum body or the mom bod, like what does the Latinx community have to say or culture have to say about the mom bod? Um, yeah, actually my mother was, oh my gosh, my mother's been with me every day, not every day, at least once a week ever since Victoria was born, helping me one to twice a week. But she was so supportive and made me so happy. And to this day, she's still like so supportive of my changing body. And she's been with me through all the ups and downs and, you know, to embrace it, take your time, be with your daughter, like, you know, take it all in. But um, it was quite the 360 from growing up where you're, you know, you're raised to be very, care about your looks and look pretty always. And to now where my mom's like, dude, who cares? Like, you know what you just did? She's like, you are beautiful. You're feeding your child. Like, take your time. Your time will come. But she was so supportive about that and still is. So so I wonder what changed. I think the times and also grown up with me, like 
I've, I've never been, I've always been very progressive and forward thinking and um, empowering women, you know, mainly, especially through my music blog. But, um, but I think that's what it was for her growing, having a daughter that was <laughs> the polar opposite from her was, was quite the experience, but such a learning tool for her. So she's always changed, you know, over time. And uh, especially now more than ever, like, just having conversations with her and educating her on lots of things. So I think it's, I mean, that literally is rewriting your story where Mm -hmm. your mom was maybe following her generation pressures or just engaging in learned behaviors. And you could have either just mimicked that Mm -hmm. or it sounds like with your education and your progressive thinking and compassion and everything else, by communicating that to your mom, your mom is taking that in and also rewriting her story. So now exactly. her granddaughter can grow up in a better environment, a more compassionate environment. And also just for herself, she can be a little bit more compassionate to her body. So I think that's awesome. You literally are living proof of that rewriting that family legacy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And now I'm having the opportunity to teach her things too. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple times um, about your business and how you work from home and the multitasking and pressures that uh, we as parents face. So can you tell us a little bit about Grimy Diapers, which is kind of your like shift off yeah, uh, from Grimy Goods. Yeah. <laughs> and what made you start that uh, platform? Um, well, I started Grimy Diapers, which is probably going to be renamed just to, well, the website's called SO as in Sandra Olinger, but also as in So, like So Modern Life. And my Instagram was Grimy Diapers because it was a play off of my music blog, Grimy Goods. And well, we all know what Grimy Diapers are. <laughs> so, but um, I think it was just, I had such a change from the face of grimy goods being so into music, underground music, indie music, the whole Los Angeles concert scene and having a a persona there. One that was very, I guess, I guess tough. I had to be because it was a very male dominated world still is. But um, so when I did grimy diapers, I wanted a, a place where I went through such a change and I knew I needed to understand becoming a mother more and Instagram was a fantastic, you know, community for that. I'm still blown away and I can't believe I'm insane that, (laughs) but I made such great motherhood connections. But, um, and I wanted a place to reveal myself more, not just music and not just an occasional personal post on my grimy goods Instagram. I wanted people to know that, Hey, there's an actual person behind here. Sure. I love music and supporting smaller independent artists, but I also like travel. I like food. I like clothes. And I really like talking about, you know, social issues and I have my parenting style and I want to find more mothers like me. But um, yeah, it was mainly a, a place for that and to connect with other women and to find my tribe, I guess, you know, because I had never felt such a loss of identity as I did with motherhood, which sounds sad to say, but I did like, I was so lost that first year, like, Oh, how do I meet moms? Like, okay. And I, I'm pretty much always, I like black clothes a lot and just, uh, 
minimalist clothes. I was like wearing these floral dresses and everything, which is nothing wrong with, but that's just not my style. Just an example of how like, you know, you're, you are lost when you become a new mom and trying to find your place in motherhood in a big city too, and meeting people that will um, enrich and inspire your children through their children, you know, and the experiences that they grow together. But um, yeah. So, and also, and then I figured, wow, there is quite the money to be made in motherhood on Instagram. So I was like, dang, I could make more here almost in Uncrimey Goods. And I had stopped doing my, my main full-time job, which was always digital marketing for like 10, 15 years. So I cut down my hours quite a lot. So I needed to make up for that in a place where I could still work from home. And then I was just finding the things that worked for me in motherhood, the brands I liked, and I was sharing those. And then I started getting paid for a lot of my Instagram posts and blog posts. And now it's moved into where I want it to go, where I don't have to share my Instagram. I'm just more so creating videos and photography and blog posts for brands that don't necessarily have to be shared on my platform. Like I just um, uh, produced and directed actually, Brian was oh, my DP. And um, a Green Chef commercial, and I hired, did cast, everything, talent, everything. And it was pretty, it was a cool experience, very stressful too, because it was um, during COVID, so it was in our house. We had to have like, you know, a bunch of uh, redesigns for the shoot one too, but also make everything safe and COVID friendly, I guess. But um, so yeah, it's been, Grimey Diapers has been awesome. That's sweet. Yeah, I would definitely check out Check out Grimy Diapers, Grimy Goods, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, listeners. We wanted to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor for this season, Dia & Co. Dia believes that great style is a part of a life well-lived. Their styling service and shop exclusively serves women sizes 14 to 32 with clothing that offers exceptional quality and fit. If you are listening to this podcast, that probably means you're on the journey of learning to embrace your jeans to the G. So finding the right jeans or other amazing wardrobe staples might be the perfect next step. Dia was founded by a plus-size woman who saw the need for fashion-forward options that actually have your body in mind. To help you feel fabulous in your mom bod, they're offering our listeners an exclusive discount savings. To get your 30% off discount, head to www.dia.com, that's spelled D-I-A, and use our code MOMGENES, M-O-M-G-E-N-E-S. You can try the clothes on in the comfort of your own home, keep what you like, and always get free shipping and returns. Dia is excited to be working with us this season and helping you love the jeans you are in. So check out our social media at MomJeansThePodcast for more information and links to their company pages, or head to the website for our listeners, www.dia.com, and use code MOMJEANS to receive 30% off of your Dia order. Okay, back to our episode. You wrote an amazing article on parents.com, and you talked a lot about raising your daughter in Los Angeles and what that was like to be raising a Latina daughter and in this culture and then also finding a group of moms that you felt like you could really just, that could be your tribe. And so I'm curious if you could share a little bit about like 
just that piece of motherhood and then also um, what it's like as far as like having your family legacy be changed or your body story or imparting any of your learned wisdom onto your daughter as you raise her. That one was a personal essay of my experience. Um, What was our title called? Like how my experience with racism in in my own childhood taught my daughter the I think a uh, difference of skin tones or something something along those lines I can't even remember my title <laughs> um but yeah it was basically I you know I I grew up in a very white town predominantly white and it was an awesome town there's a bunch of good people but there was like you know like many people there's a lot of um passive aggressive you know racism and I didn't at the time, time know like how much all that hurt until later, until now, like recounting on all that. But um, yeah, it's been a, a great experience and tool. Like my skin is so much darker than Victoria's. It looks pretty, pretty nice here in this light. I mean, it is nice too, always, you know, although I do have different uh, motherhood wrinkles and different skin tones now on my face. But um so what was I saying? Oh yeah. So Victoria, since an early age, always noticed that my skin was much darker than hers. And especially during the summer or during the winter, it would get lighter. And she would always say, mama, what color are you? And I was like, how, how is she asking me that? She just turned two, you know, like blah, blah, blah. So she was very aware of it. And I would always explain to her like, what do I say? Cause I didn't know what to say. This was like a year ago. And um, I said, well, mama, mama is, is brown because Nana is brown and Buela is brown. And I would explain to them where they're from. And then she would always refer to herself as peach, white, white and peach like daddy. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it was a great um, conversation starter, even though I didn't even know that it was a tool, too, to teach your child to be anti-racist. At the time, I had no idea until, you know, I think the current climate where we've all been learning so much and educating ourselves and um, yeah, I just dove into my, my childhood experiences and, you know, I remember I got a lot of uh, hate for the article too from people I grew up with that were white that of course didn't understand. And it's like, well, how am I going to speak up a 16, 17 year old like, hey guys, it's not nice to call somebody that because I'm part Mexican, you know, especially when you know, you, you feel dominated by people that don't look like you. No one's going to speak up about that, you know, so everything came out later, you know, and then realizing that that wasn't right, you know, calling me that or calling my brother that or my friend this, like, it's not cool. But, um, but most of all, the article got a lot of praise, which is great. And I think a lot, a lot of people were able to relate. And I was surprised at how many I grew up with, actually, that also went to the same high school you know, that also related, you know, my, my Korean best friend, one of my East Indian friends, another black friend, everyone was like, I'm so glad you wrote this. I went through the same thing there. I'm like, yeah, I wish we would have talked about it more when we were younger. But um, that experience was great to teach Victoria. So there's some positive out of it. Well, I, the reason I asked about it, too, was, I mean, first of all, that was an amazing article and very well written, and I just loved your insight. But, two, also because when we're talking to so many people about their body story, there's so many layers. There's layers of our culture, of our race, of where we grew up, of our family stories, of our family's relationships. So I, I it's more than just, you know, weight. And so I love that you were able to kind of speak on that in that article. And thank you for sharing just how that's kind of a part of not only – 
your identity process, but then also, you know, it's going to be part of like, you're raising your daughter, like so many different layers, like, hey, body acceptance looks like yeah, five different things more than that. Yeah, that, that's so true, because there's a lot of um, <clears throat> pet names, like, uh, and they're meant out of affection growing up a Latina and Hispanic cultures, like, when you are fuller and have curves, curves, you're called gordita, which means chubby. It's meant completely out of love. And when you're really skinny or really tall, you're called flaca. I've been called in my family just because, you know, a lot of us are roller coasters with our body. When my weight's down, oh, you're too skinny, flaca. When my weight's up, gordita or gorda. And gorda is more me. But um, although they were cute, I never liked them, you know. And I even caught myself saying it once to my daughter because those chubby, cute legs when they're babies. And I was like, gordita. I'm like, no, I don't want to say that to her because it'll give her a complex like it gave me a complex. So I, I immediately corrected myself and I'm like, I know that's meant out of love and I just want to nibble on those legs at the time and say that. But, um, you know, but it was at a point where she was totally understanding what I'm saying because she's always been very talkative. So I just cut myself from saying that. And um, yeah, I haven't called her that ever since because I don't want her to, you know. And instead I'll say like, oh, I love your cute little butt and your little thighs are so cute, you know, or I love your cute belly. And I say that to her constantly because it's so cute. Yeah, I think it's about the reframe of like, we need to figure out different ways to express our love and obsession for our kids and their and their bodies and all of that. And so, I mean, I keep coming back to the rewriting of that legacy where, yes, these are trained behaviors and in that training you're really trying to rewrite it so yeah it's hard it is so hard it is you catch yourself so what's the why for having the relationship you have now with your body well one i'm not going through any of that postpartum stuff or postpartum anxiety or any of that because that is also another whole thing whatever you're going through mentally will make your body issues even worse you know but um i'm in a i'm just in a very great place like I'm happy with myself, but also like, um, you know, connecting with other women on Instagram has really helped seeing that there's other women like me too. And like, you know, um, definitely making relationships with and hanging with more women like me, like, you know, a lot of the people I grew up with too, were very into, we're all beach people, very into image and how you look and a lot still are today. And that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with working out and you know, love your body in any shape it is, but um, that felt like a lot of pressure. I don't hang out with those people much, maybe once in a while, you know, like I just feel there's just so much more variety here where I live in Los Angeles. And um, yeah, changing who you surround yourself with as well was very, <laughs> was very great on that. But um, giving myself grace, like that's said so much in the motherhood world, but it's so true. Who cares if like I'm softer now? I will probably be hard again in like a year and I'll probably be soft again. But no matter what, you know, like I'm awesome. And just knowing that like everything I've done, go building a baby and giving birth to a baby and then, you know, raising a good human and, and working and doing all that, like that is so much. Like what we do is so much. And just the support from others that also go through this is, has been so helpful and so crucial to accepting my body in any shape and form. 
So it sounds like the why is you. (laughs) We usually ask the people we interview, what's the greatest lesson you've learned about body acceptance? To me, I feel like you answered it a little bit just now about like understanding the phases our bodies go through and having compassion. But is there anything else you feel like you would want to add to that question? Even when you are so down on yourself and see yourself as like just this, just are in a bad place and you hate your body after after um, having a child and the great transition it's done, especially if you've already had curves on top, you know, to begin with, um, that you are way more critical on yourself and almost like you're hallucinating sometimes by seeing things that really aren't there. And, you know, it's just, it's all you I've learned, you know, and once you can get over that hump and put that confidence back in you and accept your body, every little step I did helped me. So even if, uh, Oh, my walks, my daily walks were so amazing for me. Like just to think, and like manifest when I went walking and that, I think that helped my confidence a lot, just being in motion and, you know, yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think we're our own worst critics when it comes to our body and the things we see, especially first year postpartum, it's, we're just going to be so harsh on ourselves because it's such a transition. But um, yeah. My favorite quote is body image is in the mind, not in the body. That is awesome. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's our perception, our perception of our bodies. So what, what would you share to moms or parents listening who are also navigating this journey? I would say, um, do you, as long as you're happy, whether like my best friend, you know, when I was talking to her about my, you know, postpartum fitness and everything, I'm like, gosh, it's like, most takes forever just to get more muscle tone. She's like, girl, like I took like, you know, it took me six years to finally, you know, get in gear. She's like, take your time, you know, do what you got to do, you know, you know, take care of your family, take care of your child, grow your business, you know, and she was growing a business at the same time. And, you know, and that's the truth. Just, you know, don't worry about everybody else. Cause a lot of that, you know, insecurities come to like, what is that person thinking of my new body? I can't go to this concert because I used to look great in this outfit and I can't even wear it now. That was a lot of me, you know, going back into the music scene, but um, just don't give an F about anybody else and just be, just keep thinking of what you've done and that you, you literally can do anything. If, if pregnancy and birth is not proof enough for you, like, I don't know, do it again, <laughs> because I think you could literally do anything after that huge mental and physical metamorphosis. So for sure. But anything specific you would want to share to the Latina community who is navigating this journey or trying to rewrite that cultural legacy? Um, yeah, like, um, if you don't feel comfortable with something that you were raised with, speak up. You know, it it took a lot for me to tell my mom, and I told her this like maybe three, four years ago, how, how her, how vanity kind of really messed me up for a bit. And I told her like, you know, and I'm still opening up to things about, you know, that I tell her that, hey, this was, you know, kind of gave me some issues. But yeah, like, speak up, tell your parent, tell your parents, tell your mom, tell your sister, and start having them unlearn it, start giving them you know, okay, instead of saying this, why don't you say this, you know, because those things, 
do affect us. And if you are having children, you don't want to continue that same pattern. But um, yeah, speak up and talk to your family about it, even if it's uncomfortable, just how a lot of families today, especially white people are having to talk to their families, their friends, their coworkers about very, very uncomfortable issues. So uh, nothing good comes out of anything easy. And I think everything takes work. So if it's uncomfortable, but you're seeing progress, it's worth it. So speak up, talk to your families. I know that coming from a family that is very strong in its negative talk about food and bodies, it's very uncomfortable to have those conversations. So you, even you saying that is encouraging me to sometimes oh, yeah. try to have more courage and, and ask for that because you're right about the the relearning, the unlearning and the relearning. Like I try to have so much sympathy for different generations who were raised in different times and different cultures and different levels of research and education on things. And they they were taught something and now they do have to unlearn it and now they do have to relearn it based on more up-to-date information and hopefully more of a tolerant society as well so it is uncomfortable i do appreciate your um your encouragement to everyone to have some of that courage because it is it is important and it is really hard yeah and it doesn't have to be like all at once it could be like little things like i've done baby steps with my mom through everything because I don't want to make her feel bad either. You know, she's breaking a pattern of what she was raised with. You know, it's all such archaic patterns. And that's pretty much what we're living right now, too. All these old archaic patterns that need to get broken and rebuilt into something more positive. So, Well, where can our listeners find you if they want more information? Um, you can find me on at sign grimy diapers, G-R-I-M-Y diapers. Um, on Instagram. And if you just go there, you'll see all the my two blogs and my other Instagram, Grimy Goods. But um, yeah, and I, I love connecting with, with moms and anyone that loves good music. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, your Grimy Goods site. Thank you. Go check that out as well. Nothing to do with parents, but <laughs> some solid coping skills on there to research music and what's available. Good music to get you through the day of parenting or hour-long breastfeeding exactly so blippy is not on there <laughs> <laughs> who's blippy blippy is not on there no no oh i'm like wait who's blippy? blippy okay well awesome thanks sandra for coming on you are fabulous thank yes. you so much you guys this was great thank you for joining us We hope you felt inspired and moved by this week's story. Please reach out to the person interviewed to connect with them in the ways they listed, or you can check out our social media pages at Mom Jeans, the podcast for details on the episode and to find our guest's information. If you love the episode, please leave us a rating and review us on iTunes and recommend this episode to a friend. We are sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast 
and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.